What's going on, everybody? Welcome back inside the TCA studios. My name is Matt Robinson. Appreciate you checking out this edition of the podcast. Make sure you're following along on social media at Talk and Audio and subscribe to the podcast wherever you're hearing us right now. As many of you know who caught the Monday morning show, I'm not supposed to be in studio today. This was supposed to happen a slightly different way. We'll get to that in just a minute. But across the table from me today, Steve Bundo, what's happening, man? What's going on, Matty? Well, thanks for having me back. The Glad you're back. Yeah, yeah the yeah. Talcan Audio fans let me in the building this time. Just waltz right in, man. You pay them off? I don't I guess know what's going on. They're used to seeing you around here. Yeah. That's the way this is playing out. So uh, glad you came back, man. We'll get into, and we got a bunch of stuff to talk about today. You and I traded a couple texts before you came over oh, about. Oh, man. Yeah, it's a, it's a jam-packed week. And this, this is dropping for everybody on what is supposed to be you know, that dead Wednesday, right? That that Wednesday after the Major League Baseball All-Star game, been well known as, you know, nothing happening. Worst, right? day, worst day in sports. Right. No NFL, no NBA, no NHL. Wait, um, is there a CFL game? Because I don't it, know. It we, makes sense to, oh, wait, we, yeah, they yeah, don't, they don't like do that. it. This has been the thing for so long is this should be a day the CFL is all over and for whatever reason uh, they don't get to it. We'll get to all sorts of things here. But uh, we always start with the beers, man. What did you pull out of the fridge right there? Oh, man. I went with the Major Tom from Muskoka Brewery. It is a hazy double IPA, 8% alcohol. It's got a sweet can of a guy in a space outfit with an oar in the background. Major Tom. Yeah, exactly. It's pretty cool. So uh, I love that aspect of it. And I'll give it a little rip here. Let me know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I am into, uh, this is one I haven't had before, but it's a brewery I've visited often. Okay. Uh, This is the... Kawartha Summer Ale from Fenland Falls Brewing Company. And so not too far from the family cottage. Okay. And uh, grabbed this one the last time I was down there. And uh, for whatever reason, you know, there's a bit of a, a carousel happening out there. Things get pushed through the TCA fridge and back out the <laughs> other side if you don't get to it. And so some of this got tucked away back into a corner and uh, hadn't seen it until, uh, you know, today I was going through everything. Decided I'm going to get to this one, man. It is a hot summer day and I'm looking for... What I assume is going to be kind of a a refreshing, you know, when you call something a summer ale, right? Oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's got to have a little bit of that to it, right? This is supposed to be a summer beer, so. Okay. That's a cool can too. Nice blue can. Yeah. And uh, Fenland Falls, they make some pretty nice stuff, man. I, I, I'd sort of been in early, didn't always love some of it, but I, I gave them a second, third, fourth chance and some of their newer stuff. Very nice, man. I've, I've been enjoying it. And you got to give these guys time, right? As they build out their recipes and figure out. Yeah, that worked. That didn't really work. And so a couple years into the Fenland Falls Brewing Company, man, they're making really good shit. How does yeah. it go? First sip? Mm, pretty nice, man. Yeah. Yeah. It's a uh, little citrusy, which probably I, I should have expected. Maybe a little bit of that in the summer. doesn't uh, hit too bad. Kind of light, uh, coming in about 4.8% compared to your uh, 8% over 8% there. And <laughs> you could taste every ounce of that 8, 8% or it's yeah. a, and it's a bigger can too. This one over here. Yeah. Yeah. The 568 so milliliter. So here to do some damage, right? That's <laughs> right. It's a big episode. I'm jacked up. Uh, lots going on. So it's, uh, I figured I'd get a big time pint for it. So I texted you last week, you know, whatever it would have been Thursday, Friday, I said, you know, are you available to do a show on Tuesday? And when I was thinking about it earlier in the week, I sort of thought this might be an online show because... I was trying to get to the cottage this week, man. I know you're all about okay. that when you get an opportunity, right? Why not? And I had found out, uh, you know, before I texted you that I wasn't going to get to the cottage as quickly as I had wanted to. Uh, there's, they're, they're replacing the windows. And mid-July seems like a terrible time to do that to a lakeside cottage uh, because obviously the whole place gets opened up and there's noise all over the place and dust and whatever else. But we've been trying to get this done up there since late March and the guys just weren't available, weren't available, weren't available. And then finally they just sort of like text a week or two ago and like, yeah, we're coming on whatever it was, the 11th or, and so there's sort of like this, yeah, I don't want you right now, but also <laughs> I don't know if I turn you away when I'll ever hear from you again, right? It took you this long to get you to come this time. So there's sort of this catch 22. And so I had sort of thought, you know, on the Monday I would leave for the cottage that didn't pan out. Now it's maybe late Wednesday, early Thursday, we'll head to the cottage. We'll see what kind of progress they're making, right? If they're not mm. anywhere, you're done. I don't know. You're just going to go down there and sit in the, I don't know, man. I'm, 
this is supposed to be a vacation week, but here we are still in the, in the TCA studio. Yeah. You know what? Uh, never a bad time in the TCA studio, yeah, yeah. but, uh, you get down to the cottage, you get down to the cottage. That's you, it. Yeah. You just, you get that vacation time. Like you said, if it all works out, uh, whenever you can get down there, you get down there. Give it a shot here. But, yeah. uh, if you do have the chance to, and you have the time kind of, uh, spent towards it, like you said, you have the week for your vacation. Yeah. I suggest doing it big dog. Yeah. And just ignore the noise, right? Get down. Just ignore it. Leave the work up at the cottage. Head down, sit on the dock. Got a big cooler maybe right beside me there in an Adirondack chair. What do we call them? Muskoka chairs? Yeah, Muskoka chairs. It's good. Yeah. I I suggest you do that. That's going to be the play, I think, man. So uh, we'll see how all that shakes loose. Um, Look, we're going to talk some fights because you and I love talking fights. But Mm. I'm keenly aware, and this is similar to what happened last week when Lever Sage was on the podcast. Not everybody loves fights, right? And so we're going to push that until later in the show so that everybody who wants to hear some fight talk is going to get a chance to do that. And everybody who's only here for the sports talk, you can stick around for that much of it. And then if you have to, you can check out. I wouldn't check out if I was you, I'd stick around, but you know, there are a lot of people who get excited when Bund is coming in because they know that we're going to do the, uh, the fight thing, but it's not for everybody. So, and, it, and Lee kept trying to do that last week. He kept trying to get to the wrestling. I'm like, wait, wait for it. We're pushing oh, the wrestling man. to the end, right? Lee wanted to talk some, some AEW, some WWE. I know you are the, uh, executive producer for life on this is wrestling podcast. That's right. So, uh, we'll, we'll push the fight talk back a little bit here. And I wanted to start with, you know, this is sort of that dead day following the Major League Baseball All-Star game. I'm curious how much you get into the MLB All-Star festivities, because if I'm being honest with you, as a teenager into my early 20s, I really liked it. And I still, to this day, think the MLB All-Star game is done better than most All-Star games, right? Like the Pro Bowl was always garbage. The Mm -hmm. NHL All-Star game now is more of a a gimmicky three-on-three tournament. It's reasonably enjoyable, but there's nothing serious about it. The NBA's is a spectacle. It's kind of fun. But baseball feels closest to a real game. But I've still sort of found myself over the last several years losing interest a bit in the the home run derby and the game. Yeah, I've never been uh, super into all-star games in general, other than like uh, when I was a kid kind of thing growing up. And then covering the one here in Ottawa was really special and a lot of fun. Uh, That was pretty cool. But uh, I I do enjoy, like you said, I I kind of agree. Like NBA and and Pro Bowl are two of the worst. Like (laughs) the scores are like 200 and something to 200 and something. And you got offensive linemen running down the field in the Pro Bowl. It's just, it's (laughs) terrible. The NHL has done a bit better of a job by mixing in the tournament style to make it a little bit more enjoyable and watching, like you said, the three on three. Uh, so when it comes to the baseball, I used to like when it, it would decide home field in the world series, because I thought it gave it a, uh, like a, that much more a of an effort. seriousness. Yeah. So when they removed that, it was like, okay, uh, whatever. And I've lost a lot of, uh, touch with the, uh, with the home run derby because my man, Chris Berman is no longer there. I need my, I, I was going to say, I need my, my duck over there. Just telling me back, back, back every two minutes. Uh, yeah. uh love Chris Berman. He's one of my favorite uh, broadcasters of all time. So I used to love when he would do it. I got more into it then, but that man, it's been a couple of years. So a lot of it, I they've just... done a lot to tighten that one up too, right? Yeah. To speed up the Derby. Uh, I didn't watch it this year, although I did see at the end, Vladdy was right there in the final. I, I just didn't get it on in time for, uh, to see the end of it. And yeah. so that's, that's pretty cool. And hopefully that'll spark him a little bit, uh, in the second half. But again, it, they, they were trying to speed it up, right? Instead of you being able to take so many pitches, right? It was always about, you had 10 outs to to deal with and, and whatever. And now it's whatever it is, three minutes around or whatever. Mm. And I think that's a better approach. Um, and I think part of it for me, and this is, this ages me a little bunda, but it was special to see the American league play the national league. Cause you just didn't see it all that often. Mm-hmm. And now you do, right. Our schedule keeps getting more and more intertwined. And I, I like that, but it does take something away from the all-star game. It's a little less special, to see these National League guys playing against the American League guys because I'm probably going to see it, I think, coming right out of the break. The Jays are playing the Diamondbacks, so we're going right back to interleague play, right? So it loses a little bit of that specialness in that way. For sure, for sure. And like I said, the the other aspect I've never been, like, I don't love a lot of it is like, you know, there's only one starting pitcher, but, you know, the starting pitchers, there's six of them there. They basically all pitch like an inning each. So it's like your your best arms are barely used. So like a lot of it is kind of like, eh. Like I said, I liked it better when it meant something more. See, I thought the World Series thing was too far. I'm with you that it should mean something, and I don't know what else you could use as an incentive, but there was too many times where, like, it was pretty clear in the World Series who the home team 
should have been, mm-hmm. but it wasn't because some game back in early July where you were just trying to get everybody into the game determined the result. So I thought it was a little too far, but I liked sure. the idea, right? That it was, yeah. you were trying to make people care more about this and incentivize it a bit. Well, and I think that's where, like, I'm on the same page for that exact reason. Like, I, like, I, I don't, I didn't care if it, like, I, it didn't bother me that it was a World Series game, right? But it was just good that there was something there. Yeah. Like, I think in the, in the NHL All Star Game, I think what is it, a million dollars to the teams yeah. or players' cha- charity, whatever it is. Guys that, making ten million a year. Yeah. Split nine ways. So <laughs> it, it's like, okay, something is on the line, but it's also like, all right, like, can we not do something better than this? Like, yeah. Can we not have like each team donate some money to a charity in order to like, there's so many more things that they could do. And I feel like it's just been the lack of marketing and wanting to do more. Like a lot of the times the only people that care about all-star games are, you know, that like you said, young kids or the people that are going because it's in their town. Right. Right. So it's going to be like an idea of how many people really, really care about this. Even half the time the players don't. Right. And in the NHL, I believe you get suspended if you don't go to the all-star game, which is just like, (laughs) okay, are you serious right now? Like that's, it's just like the NHL, you couldn't be any worse, but I get it. You need to market. You need to market your game. You Half need those the time, guys. the guys are like, "Well, whatever." Like Ovechkin, I'll just take an extra long All Star break, yeah. right? Like, and, uh, and this was one of the worst All Star, I think, skills competitions and breaks there was. I think, right? Was it not just so terrible and so gimmicky? And the NHL, yeah, it got yeah. ripped pretty hard this year. And yeah. I remember, uh, uh, I don't remember watching it, but I just remember that it was like, "All right, this is like we're kind of at a point now. Where it's like you're not shark even the kids bit. aren't even having fun with this like stuff. It's like it's, uh, ridiculous." So I mean, All Star games have always been what they are, and they're, they're fun and. Like I said, it when it was here in Ottawa. I loved it. I was a part of uh, the broadcast for Team Twelve Hundred at the time, and it was just part of uh, everything. The the festivities, being there live for a skills competition, right. uh, seeing the All Star Game in general, like just the weekly festivities, people walking around. Like it was just, it was a lot of fun to be a part of, and it brings a different vibe and energy to uh, the area. The local market for sure loves it. But I think we're in a spot now too, where you know. Outdoor games of that spot, now, yeah, right, and, that's right, and that's the the fun special thing to do. You know, Same for, thing, right? Yeah. I used to never miss them yeah. when they were one a year on New Year's Day, and now there's like five a year, some years, right? They do the stadium <laughs> series. That, there might be like eight. Right, like, it's like it's crazy. And you're just sort of like, all right, it's kind of cool. I'll probably flip it on to see what the setup looks like. Yeah, but beyond that, the novelty is worn unless you're there, right? Mm. Unless it's in your city, in which case it's a blast. And I, I'm not saying the NHL should stop doing them. I'm just saying that spectacle that you're going to tune in, make sure you watch it is kind of gone. Yeah. And and so that's where I think maybe they should kind of line their, they're thinking with, hey, you know what? Instead of making this big, big like spectacle and, and all that, why don't we just do like a big outdoor game? Have a kind of a skills competition, like a one day, a Saturday, you know, maybe Sunday kind of thing, like yeah. the two thing, uh, the two days or the weekend, All Star Weekend is what they kind of whatever. But half the time, you know, the ninety five percent of the league that's not there, not even that, the ninety nine percent of the league yeah. that's not there are are already taking the week off, right? They're yeah. gone. They they yeah. leave town after the game that they played that probably the night before that the next day, yeah. and they don't come back until. You know, they're supposed to. It's one of those, oh, man, I got to go to the All-Star game. So I, I think you need to make it more appealing for players and, and for fans. And I think there's too many things going on that's gimmicky right now. And when it comes to baseball, like uh, I, I, there's not a lot going on in sports right now. But yeah. uh, I, I'm not going to be making sure I t- tune into these All-Star games and, and home run derbies right now. There's a lot going on. Yeah. And this is, uh, you know, it circles back to what I said. That this is supposed to be the deadest day in sports. But it's not even close as we kicked around the topics we were going to get to here today. Mm. Uh, why don't we, you know what, we'll hold off. I want to ask your opinion on on the the Alex DeBrinkett experience with the Ottawa Senators. But let's get to the CFL first because yeah. this was another pretty rough weekend for the Ottawa Red Blacks. We were all really pumped to see Jeremiah Masoli finally get back and play. Not just because, you know, selfishly as fans, that's your starting quarterback. I want that guy in there. And it wasn't just that we had to wait all last year. You had to wait an extra couple of weeks into the season before you got to see him. Anticipation's building. But also, by all accounts, and you'd know this better than I would, having spoken to him and worked around him, just like this well-respected guy that people love, right? Mm. And so you get out and you get into the first half, and he's playing, and he's trying to... It's not going great yet, but he's he's you're kind of giving him some time to find his rhythm. And then he goes to stand up, and he goes down again. And they, they call it a non-contact injury because it's not from a hit, right? Like... And those are the ones that scare the shit out of you the most because, yeah, when you get hit, maybe you're winded, right? Or maybe you just twist a knee or an ankle or something, but he just goes to get up and move and then he goes back down. And they've announced since then that this is, I believe they said an Achilles injury, right? So he's blown his ankle out 
And he's done for the year again after playing essentially a quarter of football uh, for the Ottawa Red Blacks. And I don't even know what else to say, right? They brought in uh, Dustin Crum to back him up. And that kid ends up playing at times, looks okay. At times makes some pretty questionable decisions in the second half. But maybe even before we get to what this means for the Red Blacks and who's going to play... What do you think of what just happened to Jeremiah Masoli, man? And, and you know, you you know these guys. You're around this team. What's the vibe right now around the Red Blacks? Yeah, well, one, it, it was uh, it was tough. Tough to watch that uh, happen to Jeremiah Masoli. Like you said, such a guy that's well-respected around the league through the fan base in Hamilton, uh, giving him a great kind of welcome back. Yeah. Uh, it, it was very tough to see him, like you said, a non-contact injury. You see him as he's just trying to scramble, just trip and it's like oh what happened but you realize when you look closer he he falls down right he just falls down completely and it's you can tell it's his Achilles he tries to get up like you said and you just think like well like this is just not good is it the knee again is it not right he's kind of holding his left leg when you know it's his right leg that was before yeah yeah, and you could see it kind of still padded and wrapped up a little bit Uh, I don't want to say he wasn't healthy going into the game but I know he's probably still dealing with it if it's wrapped up that much right It's, it's I know protection in general and I think it was like the second play of the game they gave a quarterback sneak or run where one of the top, one of the first couple of plays of the game to get him going. So to see him kind of, you know, like you said, work into the game and then go down like that and once again miss another year, uh, it's uh, it's tough. It's one, tough for the fans, but two, just tough for the person, right? Uh, you know, we all think about football in general, but, you know, mentally coming back from an injury like that he did and, you know, already been battling injuries his last couple of years, right, uh, in Hamilton and then, uh, you know, with yeah. Ottawa in general last year, the, you know, cheap shot that he was out from Garrett Marino that yep. kind of sucked a lot. And then now, like I said, to, to have that kind of injury, it it, uh, it sucked. And seeing a lot of the CFL and, you know, even Simone Lawrence and some of the Ticats players after the game, you know, this is more than football. It, it's true. It is more than yeah, football. Yeah, they would have been teammates with this guy, right? They love this guy too. That's right. It's they, they, awful. He was teammates with Simone, I think for eight or nine seasons yeah. in Hamilton, right? Yeah. So uh, it, it, it's uh, it, to see everybody kind of reaching out and and sending the well wishes and the prayers towards uh, uh, Jeremiah Masoli was was nice and it's good and it's well deserved. I, like I said, very much a well respected quarterback in the CFL and player around the league. So it, it was tough to see that happen. Uh, there's you know it's it's one of those situations where even when you have a cheap shot or whatever it is, it's or, you know you take a hit and you just the it's you're playing the game. Yeah. Nobody wants to see a non contact injury like that happen. To somebody who's like a 35 year old quarterback coming back off of an injury. So it's tough. And I know that the players are for sure, like it's a guy that they were rallying around, right? Yeah. That's, uh, the, I don't want to say the belief, but you know, I think everybody kind of knew in that locker room, you know, Masoli's going to be the number one quarterback whenever he's healthy and That's ready to guy, go yeah. again. And, you know, coming off the home win for the second home win in 25 home games. And, you know, you have Tyree Adams and it's like, oh man, this guy looks so good. It's exciting. You know, you're going to go into Hamilton and it, either Jeremiah Masoli's going to be ready or Tyree Adams is going to be able to come back into the lineup and you maybe have another big game either way it's a momentum and then it's like well all right well Tyree Adams out for the year with a knee injury and it's like you gotta be shitting me how does this happen again and then it's like you like you said you watch a game and you're in the second quarter here and it's a non-con it's like oh you're really shitting me now like what the hell is going on and it's it's uh it's tough and you know the Red Blacks were at a spot where they've you know they've had four quarterbacks all four of the quarterbacks they have on their roster since training camp now uh have play, touched the ball and played like a meaningful series and, and not just like, like one or two, like they've played half a game, a quarter, a couple quarters, like Nick Arbuckle is still there and he's been battling an injury as well. Yeah. Like fans were fed up with him, but yeah, now he's beat up. Like they, it, uh, Farhan Lalji reported on late on Monday that he expected that they would bring in two uh, new sort of quarterback options, but that that wouldn't necessarily end. Ottawa's attempts to bring in McLeod Bethel Thompson. I don't know how realistic that is. He had gone down to the USFL after several years with uh, with the Argos. I don't know what what happens now, man. Like they they have to be scrambling over there at this point, trying to figure out what do we do. They have announced that Dustin Crum is going to start again mm-hmm. uh, this week, but I can't imagine they're comfortable with that being their long term option for the rest of the season because. You know, we talked about it before the season even started when you were in here, Matt. Like, they need to get going. This isn't a situation that, like, was bad coaching or bad management. They got guys getting hurt. Mm -hmm. And, you know, sometimes that's, ah, it's really hard. Like, the fan base is frustrated. But right now, there's no villain, right? Right now, there's no guy to point at and go, we're in this situation because this guy was wrong or because this guy made this mistake. 
you got three quarterbacks injured right now. What are you going to do? Yeah, and, and, and you know what the problem is with that, uh, Maddie. And you know, I, I understand too both sides of this. It's it's unfortunate because one, like you said, I'm around a lot of these guys. I know a lot of these guys, and I feel terrible half the time when you know I got to talk to them after you know I'm the home sideline reporter, so I only you know work home games. Yeah. Well, that I wasn't there for the game that they beat uh, Edmonton here in Ottawa. So this was my first home win since like 2019, right. Maddie. So you know, hearing the boos and seeing the, the, you know, the product that's been on the field the last couple of years, I understand fans' frustration and they don't care about the injuries. They don't care. It's just like, it's an eye roll. I want to win. Yeah. And, and I, you know, I understand. I, I don't, you know, I understand fans just want to win, right? They pay the money. They come, yep. they enjoy these games, right? It's, it's different for me. I, you know, I get paid to be around them and it's different and I, I respect both sides of it. And I, I look at the injuries and it's not, it isn't fair. You look at, you know, it's almost since Henry Burris left. Yep. It's uh, it's kind of like the Burris curse, right? Since he's been, he won the Grey Cup and he kind of sailed off in the sunset. Trevor Harris was around, but he kind of fought to, you know, he he kept them competitive, but yeah. he was kind of a love hate guy with the fan yes, base, and right. there was a lot going on, and it just he ended up like uh, he's going to Edmonton after that, but you know, it was like okay, and they've had so many different quarterbacks over the last couple of years where it's like all right, like finally here comes Jeremiah Masoli, like an established veteran. It's like now he's had the two injuries that you like you said, uh, you know, they're just the injuries are piling up. And even this year alone, like you go back, you know, Shaq, Shaq Evans, right? The yeah. number one receiver, like throughout all of training camp, he was like destined to be the number one starting receiver out there and he's going to make the squad and, and be out there. Well, what happens to him? He breaks a, a finger in the first preseason game, catching a football. Yeah. It's a receiver's job to catch a football. Are you kidding me? Like, how does this happen? <laughs> it's just like that kind of fluke injury. It started Devonte Dedman a yeah. couple weeks ago, right? He, he was battling injuries. He came back into the game and you know what? He, you know, couldn't do it. Now he's out for the rest of the year too. Like they've been dealing with. That's a superstar. Right? That's when you're exciting. But even if you're not going to win, that's a guy fans show up to watch, and he's gone. Yeah, he's been the most exciting player this Red Blacks roster yep. on this Red Blacks roster for the last few years, yep. right? Like you know, it, it's been big time. And Lorenzo Molden last year, like defensive side of the ball. But you know, as much as I you know pl- play and love defense, a lot of the fans aren't out there to watch the that's defense, right? right? It's right. it's an offensive driven league, and it's it's something where they want to see quarterback play, they want to see points scored. You know, it took the Red Blacks into the third game to score their first touchdown. Like it's 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 tough. To yeah. go through that stuff, and they went out and signed a couple of quarterbacks officially today, and uh, Tyrell Pigromi and Jake Dunaway. So they have two guys there. They're going to go with Dustin Crum. Nick Arbuckle still around. Uh, I assume they're going to keep taking chances. But what, uh, like Matt, I think you brought up earlier, like what, what do you do? What do you get in the spot? I don't believe McLeod Bethel Thompson wants to come back to the CFL. I don't either. Um, so because I, I believe that uh, he would have had a like he easily would have had a starting job for himself somewhere. Yep. So uh, that that is one. I'm not sure where it's going to be. So the only reason I put that out there is because of this Farhan Lalji tweet yeah. who's as connected to the CFL as anybody. I quoted him uh, yesterday and said when he mentioned the two names you just did that he believed that would happen. Um, and I quoted that and said that probably puts an end to the talk of the McLeod. Uh, that likely puts an end to the discussion on McLeod Bethel Thompson. And he replied right away and said, I'm not so sure about that. They're going to keep trying. Mm. So I'm with you. I don't think MBT wants to come back to the CFL right now, yeah. but I just for the sake of the listener, should put it out there that Farhan Lalji has said, I'm not sure that conversation is over yet. So that's the only reason I bring it up. No, it's not over yet for sure. And and that's the thing though, where you're in a spot now where you're Sean Burke and you know, Sean Burke is already, ta- he's, he didn't close the door either. He said he's had conversations. Yeah. But when it comes to Sean Burke and the job he has to do right now, it's going to be tough because not a lot of teams around the CFL have a good amount of quarterbacks. And it's like, okay, do I really want to get like, they look at Ottawa and they say, well, this could happen to us. Any, sure. like any team, like look at Edmonton, they're, they're battling with what, 17 different quarterbacks right now on their <laughs> roster. It seems like they tried out a new guy every week, just yeah. like Ottawa's doing. But yeah. you know, around the league, even I've heard the name like Dane Evans was brought up yep. and, and, uh, it's like, okay, well, do you think BC and Rick Campbell really want to help out the Ottawa Red Blacks right now? Probably, Probably not. And that's the thing. What are you going to give up to get? Them, you're probably gonna have to pay a little bit more because everyone knows you're desperate. You're desperate. So what are you gonna have to do with Mike McLeod Bethel Thompson? You're probably gonna have to pay him a lot of money. Well, you're already paying a lot of money to Jeremiah Masoli. Mm-hmm. They, you know, there's a, and he's not gonna be playing this year. You know, there's Tyree Adler. There's four quarterbacks. Nick Garbuckle's making a little money. He's yeah. making a good amount of money yeah, too. Yeah. Like it's not a little chunk, but it's 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 not starting some money, but it's more than yep. you know. It's it's a lot and it adds up. So that's where I think I'm not sure what they're gonna do, and they're probably gonna play it out week by week. Yeah. The problem is in the 
CFL, like the Red Blacks weren't out of the, the CFL East race and they were a three win team up into the second last week of the year. <laughs> like the CFL East could be a, a bit of a joke, right? It, yep. it is what it is. And it's, uh, it's the CFL. Anything can happen. And, you know, they say you're not out of it until Labor Day at least. And even uh, like since then, if you win a couple of your rivals and uh, divisional games now, it sucks that they lost already the first two, uh, you know, when, when they lost to Montreal, yeah, yeah. then they've lost to Hamilton now. You know, their win against Edmonton was big and fun, but it's also like, oh, damn, we kind of wanted to, you know, win a game against one of their, you know, the Eastern Division teams. So yeah, everybody's I, beaten Edmonton. <laughs> I think you're you're in a spot now where there aren't a lot of options. It's kind of like overpaying to get somebody or, you know, you're just trying to find a diamond in the rough here. Dustin Crum, like you said, uh, at points, looked good. Yeah. Uh, you know, quite a scrambler. And uh, he has that RPO college offense where he, he did a great job on his touchdown right before halftime, I believe yeah, it was, right. where he, he did a great job of, uh, you know, the RPO run play action. Put where, it on his running back's hip. Yeah. And then pulled it back and read the defense. And if you see this defender coming, breaking down and he's going to attack the running back, you run it outside. Yep. Boom. Untouched to the end zone and uh, kind of a funny run stride to him. He's a lanky guy, but yes. he, he made it look good. And it was like, all right, this guy can, you know, maybe he's a gamer, maybe he's a baller. And I, I've, you know, talked to people on the Red Blacks that are really, really high on Dustin Crum, like really high. And I think that's a, a big thing. Um, how high are we going to see him? Of those interceptions over, like right in the chest of the and, defender and that's the thing. in the this, second half. This kid hasn't like, really, <sighs> this kid hasn't really played much football since college. Yeah. So that's the thing. You, you, even warm ups, how many reps you get in practice, none of it really matters. Yeah, he, was, he was thrown to the wolves yeah. in this game, right? Like he he did an admirable job given the circumstances. Yeah. And now he's going to have a week with the first team, and you see what you can teach him quick, but. Man, they're in a bad spot. Like they are in mm-hmm. a rough spot now, right? Yeah. It, it, it's you. You just can't take this much damage on the quarterback position and expect to be hanging, hanging around, right? Like you said, everybody, nobody's going to throw you a life raft in a mm-hmm. trade. They're going to throw you an anchor, and you're going to have to overpay to get anybody of any. And that's why I do understand why they would be so intent on trying to lure McLeod Bethel Thompson back, is because. Sure. That's money, right? And you'll have to find a way to make that money fit, but it's not pieces. It's not a trade, right? You can go and bring that in. And I I get it, but even that guy, you drop him in here, best case scenario, next week, he's got a week to learn your your playbook and get the hell out there, right? Like football's not every sport, right? <laughs> no, and like you said, that's just it. It's There's a lot there. And I don't want to talk here to take shots at McLeod Bethel-Thompson, but even when he was like a starting quarterback in the CFL, it's not like he was a number one. Oh, no, that's right. So there's a lot that like goes into this it. This is not the miracle cure-all No, fix. no. Fans are asking for, oh my God, like we need a quarterback. And it's like, okay, well, you know, there's not this a lot out there. Patrick Mahomes being no, dropped in here. It's, that's not. And it's, and it's that's the thing. It's, you're going to get what you get and it's yeah. going to to take him a couple weeks to one, like you said, learn the playbook, get around the team, you know, learn some chemistry, and then you know, deal with that from there. So, you know, as far as you know, starting quarterbacks, I believe that it's going to be you know juggled between Nick Arbuckle and, and Dustin Crum. Yeah. I think Dustin Crum's going to get the the benefit of the doubt here for the next little bit until uh, you know, like I said, there's sounds like there's a bit of an injury with Nick Arbuckle. Right. So I, I'm not really sure what to make of it, and it's tough. Like I said, the CFL is a league where you can go from worst to first in one season in the snap of a fingers. Yeah. Well, the Red Blacks have been basically. The one of the worst teams in the East, if not the worst, for the last six years, almost it feels like, right? Since 2018, it yeah. feels like this yeah. team just almost, you know, I, no, I exaggerate right, when I say six years, oh, but yeah. you know what I mean. It's you, you know, 2018 is a long time ago. Sure is, and, and you go back to you know 2017, 2016, 2016 when they won the Great Cup, 2017 when the Great Cup was here in Ottawa. But like yeah. the competitive team that was, you know, we're used to seeing, you know, we haven't seen since 2018, and it's been unfortunate and it's been tough. And for fans, it's like, okay, how can we really be this bad for this long? So there's a lot of pressure on Sean Burke right now because it's unfortunate for him. Like he doesn't like, you can never predict injuries, but his, you know, I heard his interview uh, earlier today on CFRA and he was just talking about, uh, you know, this is a, a job that you have to be prepared for everything. And it's yeah. true, but it's also like, oh, this is a shitty hand to be dealt right now. And yeah. I feel for him because there's not a lot of options and out the only there. The thing you could say, I guess, is you knew Jeremiah Masoli had an injury history. Sure. So you yeah. needed to have a plan B ready. And you know, I, it was Tyree Adams that plan B. Now he's hurt. I, you know, was that enough? You can't predict that Tyree Adams injury. Maybe we should have predicted not another huge yeah. season long injury to Jeremiah Masoli, but that may, that would be the only criticism of Sean Burke here is this is your guy. You know, he might be a little fragile right now. Make sure you're well positioned behind him. But guys are just 
like you said, Arbuckle's hurt and Tyree Adams is hurt. And you're just, at some point, how prepared can you possibly be? Well, I think they did a lot. And that's unfortunate. You know, I know that uh, probably when you look back at it, the Red Blacks kept four quarterbacks into week yeah, one, yeah. which is unheard of. You don't for use, sure. You don't see that very often, but they knew that if they, that's how much they like Dustin Crum and that's how much that they didn't want to uh, let him go. Like right. they knew that Masoli was going to be injured for the first potential couple weeks of the year. Yep. So they kind of kept three guys and Nick Arbuckle, uh, you know, he was your plan B. Yeah. Like that's the thing. He was, he's, he was supposed to be your plan B. They, that's right. He was brought in back to, to, you know, be a starter, but he was brought back here to have another Insurance. chance to learn the offense and be your, you know, in case, uh, you know, Break glass in case of emergency. Basically, yeah. he was supposed to be here for the first couple of weeks for Masoli, and then you know what, whatever, see how things go. And yes. you know, just the you know, I know Tyree Adams who was here a bit last year, and you know Dustin Crum who was here towards the end of the year last year, and you know we see a little bit from them, and it's like okay, so like the Red Blacks and Sean Burke and Jeremy Snyder and their their management and their yep. coaching staff really liked what they saw from Dustin Crum, so they kept four quarterbacks on the roster. Well, little did they know that Nick Arbuckle wouldn't play very well, and then you know has been dealing with an injury. It looks like so. Yeah. There's that. Then like you said. Tyree Adams, okay. He's kind of like your 2B slash C guy. And it's like, okay, well, now he's your 2B guy. And then now he's injured for the year. And now it's like, okay, Dustin Crum was a guy that we were pretty much going to keep. Like, I I don't know. If I, if Masoli was healthy and so was Tyree Adams and, and, you know, Dustin Crum and all these, I wouldn't have been surprised if they gave Nick Arbuckle a chance to go look for a starter's job or a backup job somewhere else because, you know, it just seemed like it wasn't going to work. You knew what that guy was, right? Yeah. Exactly. The other two guys they were higher on as young guys. Exactly. Or maybe they would have done something else. It just seems like, you know, it's it's unreasonable to usually carry around four quarterbacks yes. is all I'm saying. So the fact that they did that showed how much, and I feel like that Sean Burke and the team kind of did everything they could in terms of plan A, B, and C, but then you get to the point where you just can't control injuries. And like I said, is for Sean Burke to say, you know what, uh, you know, uh, you know, you got to be prepared for everything. It's like you're never prepared for can't this be. because there's not like you have a, a story you can go buy another quarterback and he's going to be able right. to like, bring you to the playoffs and do whatever. If you got three injured quarterbacks on your roster, it's you're tough. probably boned, right? Like it's, it is really tough. So I feel for him in the position they're in, but I do feel for the fan base because it just feels like every time there's a little bit of excitement around this Red Blocks team and how much that home win did mean to them and sure. the players. Yeah. Yeah. You know, being around the players and the fans on the on the field after that win, that was huge. It was a lot of fun. It was exciting, and I I wish that they would have more experiences like that. And uh, it's I, I'm I'm going to be positive moving forward, and I'm not going to say that uh, uh, our buddy Dustin Crum isn't going to you know be able to have some success. I think he will. Uh, I knew. I know they're high. I, I do know that some people, even in the Red Blacks uh, organization, have they're said high that on him. They're, they're not. They're not high. <laughs> no, and, and they, they are more high on him than Nathan Rourke. You know, and that's the one thing because they wow. both played in the MAC. Yeah, and like they, you know, in the same division in college, like there was a lot of eyes on Dustin Crum. Like yeah. he, he was a highly rated kind of quarterback coming out of that division as well. And I do know he, he's he's been sniffing around, but so there is some some hype around Dustin Crum. And I'm not saying he's going to be big great next year. You look at what happened to Caleb Evans a couple of years ago. Yes. Caleb Evans was a guy that just literally was a rookie starting quarterback out of his first year out of college with the Red Blacks in a, in a completely different game and how hard that is. But what he had was that natural athletic ability to kind of keep you in there for certain plays yeah. and keep you. And that's what Dustin Crum brings where he, it's going to take him a couple of weeks to get the speed of the game down. Like you said, a couple of those interceptions weren't great. And a couple of those plays were, okay, what are you doing out here, kid? But a lot of them were like, okay, so this guy's got natural ability. It's kind of time. Oh to, yeah. You could see him making really good ex- reads, right? You could see yeah. him making good decisions off of those. It was just every now and then he'd throw one up. You were like, Oh, that's going to be a problem. Right. Yeah. But you, but most of the time, you you liked what you saw from him, exactly. right? And and uh, what he was trying to do. You can only ask for so much, right? It, it's not like you know, even if you went in there and he threw seventeen picks, and it's like, <laughs> all right, it's like, all right, well, it's his like first Vernon game. Adams the, yeah, yeah, the week a, before throwing six. <laughs> like, what are you doing? Yeah, there? and somehow still win the game. Basically. Yeah, honestly, I don't know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I think it's for time for Kari Jones and, and you know the Red Blacks, Bob Dice. It's like it all right, let's time for Kari Jones to suit up. <laughs> you know what? Don't make those jokes because it's it is in that that spot. But yeah. you know, alter the playbook to try and help out Dustin Crum, more of a college playing style. You know, work a lot more of this. The one thing they did want to do is, and you saw it against uh, Edmonton when Tyree Adams was here. But you know, start to work on the run game. Tuggle is, runs a hard game and he's a very good asset to have there but yep. uh, try and find ways to get Dustin Crum more comfortable and happy and, and out there and enjoying and using his athletic ability more than having to make him work and think and, and put the ball in spots where unfortunate so uh, I'm not uh, I'm not down completely on the year yet because it is still very early in the season and you know what we could see a crazy trade or we could see Mikhail Puzzle Thompson like you said where sure. he gets brought in I, I don't know what to believe on that yet it doesn't I don't see it happening but you know what money does talk so we'll see how uh, Sean Burke handles that situation, but just a tough spot for the Red Blacks to be in. 
Uh, you want to talk about tough spots to be in, man. This is one of the differences between the history that I got and the history that you got. You are more of a, a radio guy, right? Like things come across the, the wire and you, you talk about it right then and you're live and you can do that. On the podcast scene, you, usually what happens is you mm. just finish recording. Often you just finish editing and something huge happens. And that was the case again this past Sunday. It also happened the Sunday before that. Uh, Rob was in here. We put together the show. And then when the show was ready to be posted, literally in the shoot, ready to drop, Tyler Bertuzzi, <laughs> Max Domi. Uh, this past Sunday, I had finished uh, doing the show with Rob. I had edited it again. It was posted. It was ready to go. And the Senators trade Alex Debrinkit to the Detroit Red Wings. And I'm sitting there because Friedman's first tweet or two was like, hearing it will be, you know, to, to Detroit, but not for what, not whether he's going to resign it. And I'm just like, I have to sit here now. I have to do something because half of the show that Rob and I had just done was talking about, will he be traded? What situation are they? So the show is immediately stale before it's even launched but I have no details yet to come back and re-record anything, right? Like, and so I'm sitting there and I'm sitting there and I'm sitting there and it eventually leaks out from the usual places, right? It's Friedman, it's Mendez and they get you the, the picks and everything that's going on. So I come back in and I delete the entire conversation that we had sliced about half hour out of the show that we had talked about Alex to bring it. And, uh, I was pretty annoyed. So I didn't give much of an opinion on the trade. I was just like, here's what it is. I think the Sens got fleeced. I still don't think the Sens did well in this trade, but we didn't break it down almost at all. So I wanted to touch on it with you here uh, for a couple of minutes. This had been a saga that has sort of run the gamut over the last year for Sens and Sens fans because I think most people, and myself included, really liked the trade last summer when they brought him in. Like, the Sens were ready to get on a run and start to get up and going and hopefully make a playoff run. And this is a piece that you add when you think you're at that point. They get off to another bad start and to bring it doesn't produce like they expected. This is a guy who has twice scored 40 goals in the NHL. I believe he only got to 27 this mm -hmm. year, but you know, it wasn't a terrible year, but it wasn't what they wanted uh, from him necessarily. And then he sort of says to them this year, yeah, I'm not demanding a trade or anything, but in a year when it's up to me and I'm a UFA, I'm, I'm not going to resign here. So if you want to shop me around, um, then that's something you should probably do. And that drags out for a bit and it finally drops. They trade him to Detroit, which sort of felt all along like the most likely landing spot as Detroit is also getting ready to try and take that next step. He's a Michigan kid, so would be comfortable there. But they don't get much in return, man. It's a conditional first round pick. It's a fourth round pick. It's Dominic Kubalik, uh, who's fine, kind of a middle six yeah. average winger. And another kid, Dominic Sabrango, who is just a guy. He's an ECHL <laughs> slash AHL defenseman. But he's from Ottawa, which Pierre Dorian loves. So if that's worth anything to you, he's a local kid. I don't know, man. I, I As I said, I don't want to be hypocritical about this. I liked the trade a year ago. The fact that he wasn't going to resign put the Sens in a tough spot, but this feels like a pretty bad trade, in my opinion. Um, yeah, I don't. Um, I don't want to say it's a bad trade. I think you got the first round pick back, which is good. Um, I think Kubalik can offer some offensive ability, especially on the Sens first roster. First round pick you traded was seventh overall. This is going to be like twenty third overall. You never know where it's yeah. going to end up. I think you got the first round pick back though and you got a you got a players back and I think that's the big thing. Plus they got the fourth. Like there's they, they did okay in the trade. I'm not going to say it was a, you know, he knocked the doors off it because you don't know. I think the thing that uh that more catches my eye is the fans that are upset that he didn't want to be here. Mm -hmm. You know, I think the the problem is they got to realize especially the fans, like who cares if DeBrinket doesn't want to sign here? Like there's a lot of guys that will really want to sign. Look at Claude Giroux, right? The first real free agent player that wanted to come home to the Ottawa Senators, and it was like celebrated last year, right? It was the biggest thing. Yeah. It's like, oh yeah, hey, this guy really wants to play here. It's like, so the fact that a young guy that's you know a part they wanted to be part of the core, he never really fit. It seemed like with this team, no. And, and you've seen that written a few times too, right? Like not on the ice, off the ice. He didn't seem to have a be part of the clique or part of a. You know, like, no, I, I don't think he was disliked, but he's got a young family. He's whatever. And 
some of the guys are out yeah. singing Mr. Brightside in, in karaoke bars around town, and he wasn't really part of that group. Well, and I think for him, too, he was part of the Chicago Blackhawks, right, to which were a team, it was a team that, you know, obviously towards the end of his like his time there wasn't in as uh, much of a playoff spot or push or yeah. having as much success, but he did get a taste of, you know, what it felt like to be part of a, a good team and a championship team, and I, I'm wondering if, you know, the down year at Ottawa just, you know, it didn't vibe well. He didn't want to really be in Ottawa in general, and that's the thing. You know what, you're not always going to have players that were really want to be and are excited to be a part of your team. And if that's just the you way it is. You reference Claude Giroux, right? Like Sens fans were pumped that Claude Giroux wanted yeah. to come home to Ottawa. Then you sort of have to also tip your hat and go, well, this guy wanted to go home. Like it cuts both ways, right? Sure. This guy wanted to go home to Detroit. It's It would be frustrating as a Sens fan though, because he also signed in Detroit for you know, quite a bit less than it sounded like he was going to be willing to take here in Ottawa. Well, it sounded like he wanted an eight-year deal from somewhere, and and he looked at the situation where I think he had leverage, right? That's the thing. Oh, he's yeah. A, he's a young guy that could score, and that's the thing. And he could, like, I'm sure for him and his agent, right, they were preaching, well, Ottawa wasn't very good this year, you know, blah, 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 blah. Like, that's why my numbers were down. Give me a better chance. Give sure. me more ice time, which, you know what, I, I think he had the second most ice time other than Tim Stutzla as a forward this year. So he was out there a good amount. Like, he, he, was, he wasn't like he was getting no ice time, but – I think we're, we're looking at a spot where, you know what, sometimes you just don't, don't want to play somewhere. You're not comfortable. You're not happy. You want to be in a certain spot. Yeah. And and you know what? All the power to you, right? You're an athlete. You have to deal with it. Uh, I know that they get paid mil- millions of dollars, but you know what? Like I said, if he doesn't want to be here for whatever reason, personal lifestyle, he doesn't want to be a part of this team. He doesn't want to be a part of this young core, whatever it was he did. It sounded like he would, he did want to have a longer term deal, but a lot of teams when Pierre Dorian was shopping him around the draft, no, nobody wanted to give him an eight year deal. No, so for him right. to settle on a four, eight and a half, right. His idea was, you know, I'll go to arbitration, but then next year I'm just going to sign for, you know, whatever it is, I'm going to be on the open market. I'm going to be fetching $9 million. Like look at what happens in free agency. It's Some, always a shit. Show, it's always yeah. a shit show. And it, you know, teams want someone will get you someone will pay you what do you yeah look at guys like ryan o'reilly right this guy's getting like what is it four and a half million dollars five million dollars a year for nashville Most, it's like yep. you know there's some of these guys that just get paid and it's just like yeah i don't blame them either for taking the money that you know it's sean burke said and sean uh you know brian burke i'm getting my burke uh, general <laughs> managers mixed up but you know brian burke said it years ago like the most mistakes GMs make are on July 1st, right? right? Free agency day. And it's That's like, right. I don't want to say that, you know, it, it's terrible, but you know, some, a lot of these guys do get signed. It's like, it's hard to live up to the contract once you sign that kind of big money. Look at what's happening with John Tavares, right? In the Maple Leafs and, you know, his struggle. Like, yeah, you look at his stats. Sure. They're pretty good for what they paid for him. And he's only got a couple seasons left, but relatively he's been non-existent in the playoffs and he has <laughs> he that just z- scored the he, series winning goal. To move Toronto out of the first round for the first time since 2000. And then he didn't show up at all in the second round. Nobody showed up in the second round. No, but that. I, that's my point, though. As, you, as a captain and as a, one of your top players. I just finished doing this with Versace. You got to make this about Tavares no, again. <laughs> I, I do. I am. Because he made a lot of money. And yep. he made a big thing about, you know, wanting to get there. And I just think he's he's a guy that's not getting any better. I don't mean he's, you know, I'm sure. He's he not get, getting any better. He's not getting point. any no. younger, right? No, he's, it's one right. of those spots where the, he paid a lot. The Leafs paid a lot for him. And right. that's where I thought that they should have split up that big, you know, their four. And maybe they still could, but when you look at what happens on free agency day, and like I said, for Debrinket to realize he has some leverage as an RFA here, you know what? I'll take my one year arbitration then. You know, I'm sure somebody will give then me I'll seven, go where I go. seven years, and I'm sure I'll get somewhere around nine $9 million a year, right? Yeah. So it happens. Our Timmy Panarin, these guys, they get to free agency. Teams are desperate. They want guys that can score the go- score goals, put the puck in the net. So I think Debrinket, um, in, in terms of that, I, I like I said, a lot of people sour. I think it's okay. He doesn't want to be here. Well, that That's was going to cool. be the next thing I wanted to ask you. I don't know if you saw or not, but uh, a day or two ago, Ian Mendez wrote in The Athletic a really nice piece about that there doesn't have to be a bad guy in this situation, and whether you buy into that theory or not. Because I I think Pierre Dorian made a bad trade here, but I don't think Pierre Dorian dicked Alex to bring it along or did anything. Like I said, I liked the trade that they made to bring him in. It sounds like he did everything he could to try and make to bring it comfortable and reconsider to want to stay here. And to bring it at the same time as a guy that goes, I came in with an open mind and I do believe he did that. He came in, was willing to give it a shot. Uh, I I haven't seen anyone say throughout the season that he was dogging it or not giving it mm-hmm. his best effort. It just didn't pan out. And so you get to this point and he's just sort of like, it didn't work here. I'm not really all that happy here. Maybe I do want to go home or maybe there were other places he would have been willing to sign long-term as well. But this feels like one of those things, as Mendez quite rightly pointed out in his piece, where 
sometimes shit just happens, right? I, yeah. I, I'm happy to criticize Pierre Dorian when he does something dumb. I don't think that's what happened here. And I'm happy to criticize any pro athlete when they're being a douchebag. And I don't think that's what happened here. I think it just didn't click. Yeah. And while I don't like what the Sens got in return for Alex Dabrinkit, I don't think Pierre Dorian or Alex Dabrinkit we're in the wrong here or, or we're being shitty about this or disingenuous about this. I think it just didn't work. Right? No. And that's, and that's my point. I, like I said, I, you know, Mendez piece that was very good about it too. And like I said, there is just seeing some fans and some, you know, people just saying like, you know what, like this guy didn't want to be here. He was terrible, but whatever. I don't, I, I I'm not in the locker room and I'm not sure. around the team every single day. It's, you know, it's, I don't know. It just, like you said, it just didn't seem like it worked everybody out. Tried it just didn't, it just yeah, didn't work. It just didn't seem like a fit and he didn't want to be here ultimately. And that's fine. Like it's, I, said and, and everybody's it's just you're right all right well let's find a way to make this work and i think that they did okay like you know what kubalika like i said he can offer some offensive side yeah, like disagree there i think he's he's just a guy but i do wonder if they can turn that first into packaging another young prospect with it and then could you go out rob's keeps saying connect me like that would be a great fit for the senators i do believe that but like could you go out with some of the pieces you got for Debrinket, even though you're not happy with that return, but turn that into something else. I'm not high on Tarasenko. I know that's the talk here. Mm-hmm. Tatar. At, at both of those guys, you wouldn't have to trade anything away for, but I just don't think that's what you need. I, I would be looking to take some of you know, your draft capital and, and some prospects and see if you could turn that into... A guy who can play now, right? Like, yeah. who isn't 32 years old or... No, and maybe they do. Like, yeah. Pierre Dorian, uh, it was funny. I, I, you know, saw he was on TSN 1200 in the morning with, uh, you know, our, our enemy, Steve Lloyd, who uh, <laughs> lives down the street from us. And I let him know he was uh, was coming over here today, too, by the way. So maybe yeah. I should go ring his doorbell and run sure. away on my way home. Um, but uh, no, he... And Pierre ring Dor- his doorbell. He kinda, raid his beer fridge and then run away. Yeah. <laughs> but Lloyd, he asked him. He said, you know, the question was... You know, do you expect to be a playoff team this year? And he said, I'm going to hold off till training camp, which to me is a sign that, you know what, he's not done the summer. I so, think that's right. And I do a, think that's right. And that's a big thing. So I think he there is that opportunity. It's not a finished product. No, yet. And, and I am. I, maybe I'm, I'm being silly, but I, I am a little bit higher on Kubelik. I think that he have, offers some off. I'm not saying he's going to be out there to put up 60 points, but I think this is a guy that can put in 25 goals and, you know, get you maybe. 45, 50 points. I think no matter, yeah. uh, like on a team. Ottawa's he is a, sk- a 40, 50 point guy. Yeah. He could do that. And I think that's the thing. And uh, he's not going to be here to. But to bring it was maybe a 40 goal guy. Like if that's the for sure. piece you're but, getting in return, it's pretty disappointing. But he wasn't last year, right? No, and he, he wasn't. He is a smaller sized forward yeah. so you know what this trade could look at oh you know what he he you know fails to stay healthy the rest of his career and you know Ottawa walks away with a first and Kubelik you know there's a lot that could happen and right now it's easy to look at it and say okay this doesn't look very good on paper but you know when you read the situation like I said it didn't seem like anything was going to happen here anyways well how many cards were dealt it looked like that so maybe the report card shouldn't say a fail it should say an incomplete I think that's uh that's where I'm looking at it because yeah. uh it seemed like it was well known around the league that uh, Pierre Dorian was shopping to bring it so that automatically like we just talked about with the Red Blacks, when you have teams know you're trying to get kind of get rid of a guy, yeah. well, automatically your return is not going to be as great yeah, you as you probably want it offers. to be. No, you don't have any leverage. So when you get to that spot, I think that uh, he's in a spot right now where Pierre Dorian is, he's trying to build a roster that can get over the hump. And uh, there's a lot too with Michael Anlauer trying to, you know, come back in around September once this sale gets finalized. That's and, true. Yeah. You know, there's going to be a lot that happens. He'll want to make an impact. Well, I'm sure he will. And yeah. that's the thing, you know, there's, there's going to be a lot that happens in the next couple of months. So it wouldn't surprise me to see Pierre Dorian start packaging up some stuff and, you know, trying to bring in some, uh, some, you know, maybe a, like another star forward or another top six or bottom six. I'm not sure what he's going to be looking for. Maybe he does both. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, last year we heard him say, you know what, the playoffs were enough. They brought in Giroux. They brought in Debrinkit. They went out. They went out and grabbed uh, the goaltenders uh, slipping my mind. Oh, Cam Talbot. Cam Talbot. They went out and they did a lot to try and say, you know what, we're making the playoffs. And what happened? Well, they missed the playoffs after another terrible start to the year. So it's yep. like, I don't want to put my foot in my mouth. I want to get around. I want to wait till my team and fi- my roster's finished, right? Because you go back to a couple of years ago and the late owner, Eugene Melnick, was, you know what, by 2021 to 2025, that's our un- those are the years of unparalleled, unparalleled, unparalleled success. success that was and, that's where, and it's like, all right, well, we're 2023 and this team hasn't made the playoffs. So yeah. it's, it's uh, you know, you don't see a lot of Pierre Dorian, like GMs, uh, you know, going six years, seven years, right, without making the playoffs constantly with the job. 
right? This he's in uncharted territories. Pierre Dorian is right now. DJ Smith, right? Like there's yeah. a lot that these guys have to prove this year, and uh, there's already a lot of pressure from the fan base. There's already a lot of pressure between the guys in the room. Guys like Brady Kachuk watching Matthew Kachuk go to the Stanley Cup final this year, and it's it's oozing out of him where he just wants to be there, right? There's the right pieces in place. I think that the team is slowly coming together. It's not as fast as everyone wants to, and you can blame the pandemic. I'll, I'll hear that out for maybe a year of it. So you can, you know, subtract a year and maybe this team is a year behind where they should be. But at the same time, yeah. you know, for Pierre Dorian, he's the GM right now. And if he's going to make moves, he's got to make some big ones because I don't know if this team is much better than they were, you know, heading out of last year. It, it, right. You know, you can expect Josh you know, Norris back will help. Yeah. Right but full, he's yeah. starting to show that he's a guy that's dealt with injuries now, right? Yep. It's happened a bit and I'm not here to shit on the kid, but I'm just saying there's a lot of expectations and it's like, you know, let's get them to the, the, you know, let's get them to the ice in the season first. Then we'll put the expectations on them because, you know, you don't know how many guys you might add this year. You don't know how many guys yeah. injuries things that can happen. It, it, there's a lot that can happen leading up into the season. So, uh, I, you know, you look at, you know, Jake Sanderson taking the next step, right? Sure. He's a guy that looked great. Jake Chikrin for yeah. a whole year. Chikrin, right? A whole year of that. And Thomas Shabbat bounced back yeah, to what we expect of him. Exactly. So there's a lot there, like, you know, where ba- Batherson, those guys pan out. Absolutely. Right. And, you know, even Travis so, Hamanick. Right, uh, like Zub, Hamanek, like Hamanek's a guy that's your your depth guy, and you know what? That's a guy that's like I thought he was all right as your five six kind of guy, and now he's going to be probably your your six seven. Yep, so that's right. I think that there's guys there, J- Jacob Bernard Docker, Lassie Thompson, like like you said, there's a lot of bodies that are NHL that probably are capable right now. But you want these guys that are right there. It's like, all right, we want to compete. We want to be ready. So uh, there's a lot of pressure. Drake Batherson didn't have a great year no, last year. Right. You know what? He, he was okay, but he didn't have a. He had a down yeah, year. You expect him to bounce back. So you want to you want to have those, but you don't want to have those expectations. Like, okay, we're rosters fine because we're expecting Josh Norris to come back and have another thirty goal year. Uh, Drake Batherson will be better and be back to you know uh, you know a point a point a game guy kind of thing. And then it's like, okay, but then nothing happens or these injuries pile up, and it's like, all right, well now we're left in the same spot we are last couple. Year so it's all right. How can we make sure that if things do happen, we're still a team that's surrounded with talent and depth, and that's the thing. I think they need to still build some depth up, but there, there's a very good shell and core here, and I think that's the thing that Pierre Dorian's working with over the next couple of weeks to make sure that one that uh, they replace uh, a Debrinket De in general, but also two that uh, they can just add some depth up up front. Okay, so what we need to add is a second episode because this happens a lot when you come in here, Bunda. You and I end up talking so much that it becomes a little too long. It gets spread out a bit too much. And so we're going to add a second edition. You're going to come back here. I kept pushing you back and saying we would talk fights later. And later is going to have to mean Friday morning. I'm, I know you're willing to come back and do another episode here. And so that's what's going to happen. Uh, we're going to talk some UFC. We're going to talk some boxing based on some big news that has dropped here this week. Biggest that, uh, fight of the year. Okay, so that's a huge tease, and I'm glad you were willing to drop that and throw that in here because that's what we're going to be talking about on Friday morning. Bund is going to come back in. We'll talk some UFC. We'll talk some boxing, and so that should be great. Uh, not the first time that Bunda has come in here and talked so much that we've had to spread it out over two episodes. So look for that with Steve Bunda on Friday morning. Also stick around because on Monday morning, Michaela Schreider will be co-hosting the podcast Tried's, of course, one of our regulars, but hasn't been on in a little bit. She's been out to the Pacific Northwest and tried some beer. She's been over to Ireland, tried some beer. And there's been a bunch of news in the women's sports scene. Uh, We'll get into whatever is topical that day on the men's sports scene. We'll have a ton with Michaela Schreider as well on Monday after Steve Bunda checks back in again once more on Friday. Thank you so much for checking out this edition of the Tall Can Audio Podcast. For Steve Bunda, my name's Matt Robinson, and we'll see you Friday morning. That's it. I cannot work under these conditions. If anybody wants me, I'll be downstairs at McDougal. Call the weekend guy. I don't care.